undergraduate and graduate institution. We should be indifferent to where you went to school. We should only care about how you ranked. Because it's so, if it's so devastating to be anything in, in anything other than the top third of your class, I don't want you <laughs> if you weren't in the top third of your class, right? Now, I'm being playful a little bit here. But the point is that we have, do you see how we have allocated our strengths and our, our, our notion of what is an advantage and what is a disadvantage are allocated in an irrational way. We've, we have, we've become obsessed with the advantages of prestige, but we have not paid attention to the disadvantages of prestige. And that's a mistake. Some people seem to get motivated by being surrounded by people smarter than they are, right? So that's well, not, sort of... Not economics PhDs, apparently. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I would have... I, intuitively, I agree with you, yeah. right? I want to find reasons to like elite institutions. All my friends went to elite institutions. Should I have children? I would want them to go to elite institutions. You know, we're all powerfully... But the problem is that when we go and systematically look for those advantages, we can't find them. So there's a long, I don't go into my book, but there's a long and rich tradition um, in economics um, in which people hunt for the value of an, elite, of an elite education. And they can't find it, right? So we know that uh, it is the case that a student who goes to Harvard earns money, more money in the course of their career than a student who goes to the University of Tennessee, okay? But that doesn't tell you anything at all. What you really need to do is to find two students, both of whom go to, get into Harvard, one of whom goes and one goes to the University of Tennessee, and then see what, compare their career earnings. And when you equalize for the person, you can't find any difference. In other words, it's not that that Harvard is making you earn a lot of money. It's the kind of person who gets accepted by Harvard makes a lot of money, right? And then there's an even cleverer line of thing, which there's now been like 10 studies on this, and it's so interesting, which is they now look at elite high schools. So what is the benefit of going to a selective high school? Now, intuitively, you would think it must show up there must be some, you must be able to see whether in test scores or the quality of the college you go to or somewhere we must see some impact of that. And we can't find, uh, we can't find any advantage. It just, everything seems to, once you do that equalization thing, um, uh, you, if you are a smart kid, in other words, it doesn't matter what school you go to. Um, you'll, you know, smart is smart, um, which is intriguing um, finding. Very neat. Thank you. Um, I want to switch topics a little bit. Um, you know, you do a remarkable job of popularizing uh, social sciences. And uh, by the way, I forgot to introduce myself. Uh, I'm Prasad Sethi. I'm part of People Operations, and I lead the analytics group, which is composed of many social scientists, 
who, who love the fact that uh, Malcolm's work and uh, you know, gets, gets their kind of thinking into the public limelight. Um, how do you distill and aggregate all of this research that's done in the social sciences and come up with what you think are the most uh, cogent arguments? Because uh, as you mentioned, there are lots of studies done on similar topics, and some of them are uh, point towards one direction, others point towards a different direction, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're looking for trends in the research. Um, and so, for example, the studies I was just mentioning about trying to measure the value of elite schools, that's a very clear trend. And you've got a cluster of studies that have been done in the last two or three years using pretty rich data sets that are all coming to roughly the same conclusion. So when you see that, that's the sort of thing I'm looking for is what you want to steer clear of are the one really wacky study that is sitting all by itself. Um, that doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just you have to be approaching with more caution. But um, there's no shortage. I mean, the thing that's fascinating about being a sort of a student of academic research is that um, the number of things that on an academic level are being ideas that are being um, pursued and conclusions that are being drawn that are quite dramatically at odds with conventional wisdom is enormous. There, if you're in the game of, in other words, looking in academic research for ways to challenge the way we think about things, there's an embarrassment of riches out there. I mean, it's not hard to do. So um, to me, what always amazes me is how much um, fascinating and useful material um, lies buried in academia. It just never sees a lot of day because no one uh, bothers to go and, and write about it and popularize it. I mean, it's astounding how, then, you know, if you talk to academics, they have the list of things that they think that the rest of the world is doing long. It's like, it's like this long, right? Um, so it's like it's, 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 it's not a very difficult process to, um, <laughs> to, to dissolve. Yeah. Um, related question, uh, you use a lot of stories to bring your thoughts to life. And the stories add a lot of emotional richness, and you can really connect with them. Uh, but how do you how do you ensure on his face and a yeah. beard, and sometimes don't have a haircut? Man, you saw George Jefferson, didn't you? Did you see James Evans? You saw what's the other motherfucker name on Urkel? That daddy, the other motherfucker, or uh, our fresh Prince of Bel Did you see his daddy, Bill Cosby? Them wasn't the handsomest of man in the world. <laughs> Uh, but you see what I'm talking about? We didn't, nah, we didn't, they didn't give us all these kind of men on what to look like. Now this nigga here show up and they trying to discredit James Evans. Nigga, think about James Evans. That was a man. That was a man's man, nigga. James Evans, Kevin Samuels. Nigga, give me James. Give me James. George, nigga, George and Wheezy.
Nigga Wade George stood up and talked to white folk. Nigga Wade done Archie Bunker. See, motherfucker don't know nothing about them kind of men, homie. We had some, uh, 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 what's the other guy, man, that played in all the black exploitation movies? Fred, uh, or uh, Black Caesar, homie. Them kind of men, homie. Nigga, no, man. Them, them, them was men. These other men go get their feet done. And I ain't saying ain't nothing wrong with that. Uh, they get their hands done. I ain't saying ain't nothing wrong with that. Uh, but man, some days you got to walk around here looking like a man. Some, yeah, man, someday that woman won't look at you, man. And man, you ugly too or something. You stink. You been outside sweating. Yeah, man, that's the value. I ain't, I ain't got no leader. I come from some old niggas don't hear nothing Farrakhan got to say. And I ain't never heard him say kill no white person, huh? Now, I don't promote killing in nobody. But nigga, I done participated in some things. <laughs> I done participated in some things, nigga. And what I participated in and what we were doing to white people who we thought was our enemy based on what we heard the old niggas say, man, I don't hear Farrakhan or no other person talk like that. They ain't really mad at white folk. So I'm saying, oh, man, he talk good for them jailhouse niggas that don't have no identity as no man. I don't speak Arabic. I don't know now slave that did. I told you I can trace my name back to the plantation. And I talked to people that were born in the 30s, in the 40s, right now today. And they say, no, nah, man, we don't want to hear nothing them niggas talking about with no Koran. So, you know, what changed for you? Like, because you say you was practicing. Yeah, yeah, I was Muslim. So I didn't want to stop eating pork. Yeah, I was a Muslim who never quit eating pork. Yeah, I, yeah, I snuck and ate it for a while. And since I was the gang leader, I said, fuck it. Yeah, nigga, I ate pork in front of them niggas. Uh, yeah, they came, they had a pizza party one time. And, and, and them niggas had an all cheese pizza that was Muslim. And that motherfucking pepperoni and sausage. Very, very hierarchical way. Or you can choose not to. Um, the other thing that it would tell you is it would it would say something about whether about the size of teams as well. I mean, it would seem to argue. I would think, um, although maybe not. It says it's really about the structure of of teams. That to the extent that you can keep things that um, that are as flat as possible, I think you minimize the damage caused by um, hierarchies. Hi, thanks for coming to speak. So I just started in people operations about a month ago. And since I've been here, I've had a lot of people recommend uh, Strength Finder and other books like that. And I've taken a look at it and I can't help but think that things like that are kind of, uh, as the great skeptic James Randi said, flim flam, mm -hmm. um, or like modern day uh, pseudo social science. And I'm wondering what, if you have any insight into those, because I know companies spend a lot of money buying those kinds of books for their yeah. employees. I have, uh, I have to confess I've never read any of those. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, um, I know that they're very successful. Um, 
In, sell, in sales or in it's, what they set out to in do? In sales. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> um, but I, I guess I would only say it, it should, it's interesting, though, that there is such a hunger for that kind of thing. You know, people, I always say this, people are experienced rich and theory poor, mm -hmm. that most people necessarily um, lack access to organizing principles in their life. Um, if you're not immersed in the world of academia and you don't have the leisure to produce, to follow and acquire grand theories, you don't have theories to explain things. So whenever there is someone comes along with an explanatory mechanism for something that is that you're experienced rich in, it's enormously attractive. Um, so that you know, if that's a lousy, if Strength Finder is lousy, it's incumbent on us just to come up with better and more sophisticated ways of, um, but it's it's clear that there is a massive demand for something um, to allow people to organize their experience. Hey, Malcolm, my name is Mike. Thanks for being here. Um, my question is kind of going back to the value of elite institutions again. Um, so... So you talk about how someone who goes to Harvard, someone who goes to University of Tennessee, they are intrinsically going to do the same if they're, um, you know, on the same intelligence level. So I guess my question is, you know, you hear you're kind of the average of the five people you hang around. You surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. You will naturally elevate your level. Do you believe in that or do you believe that's kind of... You know, it seems like your theory is, is kind of uh, puts the merits towards that, you know, yeah. thought process. Well, there's a, so a couple of things. One is that um, one of the implications of that argument is that there are a lot more very able people at um, non-elite institutions than we think. And actually, this is kind of a fascinating thing. So to take a step backwards... Uh, the larger question is, how efficient are elite educational institutions um, in as search engines for talent? What percentage of the of qualified students do they actually uncover? And, and the answer is, we used to think they were very efficient. What we have discovered recently is they're actually quite inefficient. In other words, enormous numbers of very, very intellectually capable people never even come close to the 250 top colleges in the country. So non-selective colleges have a much larger share of, uh, of the intellectual aristocracy than we would imagine. So that's so, so to your question, if you go to the University of Tennessee, you can find lots and lots and lots of very, very intellectually capable people to hang around with. And you probably will grab If you are that kid who could have gone to Harvard, you will probably gravitate to those five. The difference being that, so you'll be surrounded by peers who may be every bit as able. The difference is that you will almost certainly be the top of your class as opposed to running the risk of being in the middle of the bottom. So you're getting two um, benefits, intellectual benefits, as opposed to maybe only one. Um, the other thing, of course, is that, uh, well, I'll leave it at that. There are many, many parallel arguments along these lines. Now, of course, not everyone can follow the strategy. 
if everyone does it, it ceases to work, right? <laughs> everyone can't go down a notch. Or <laughs> so the whole thing is, I, if you're going to follow the strategy, do it quick before I sell too many books <laughs> and the advantage is wiped out. But, uh... <laughs> okay, thank you. So you said in response to a previous question that it would be useful to eliminate some hierarchy so that you get rid of this problem of people being at the bottom. But how do we know that's the bigger issue as opposed to it's just a great boost to people when they are at the top? And if that was the predominating factor, then maybe we should just have more awards or more way to recognize people. Oh, I see. Oh, you mean have a kind of pretend hierarchy where you <laughs> give everyone a pat on the back? Maybe we should have even more levels of hierarchy. Oh, I see. Well, but the, you know, the, um, so the classic study, I have to see if I got this right. The classic study in this regard, which I talk about in the book, is this famous study that was done in this, the largest psychological study ever in the United States was done during the Second World War of American soldiers. And one of the most interesting insights was a comparison of, um, uh, uh, commissioned officers in the Air Force, the Air Corps, the precursor to the Air Force, and commissioned officers in the military police. And the question was, who was more satisfied with, uh, um, with their promotion prospects, the openness of their uh, institution to rewarding talent? Services every motherfucking Friday. You niggas ain't no real motherfucking Muslim till you can put a bomb on your back and one of you niggas blow your ass up. Nigga, I'm the real motherfucking Muslim. Until you niggas blow your ass up, fuck you niggas. I ain't scared of now motherfucking Muslim that's part of a Muslim group and they ain't on the white boy's terrorist list over there in Cuba at the Guantanamo Bay facility. Yeah, you niggas go to federal prison. Fuck you niggas. All you niggas went to federal prison did what that white boy said do and you nigga cry like a motherfucker in that federal penitentiary system nigga and you left your kids behind here I ain't never left my kids out here with this big old dick nigga. Yeah, nigga, fuck you, nigga. Think y'all gonna scare me and tell me about what y'all gonna do to me? You gonna rape my mama? That's been fuck you, Muslim nigga. You nigga been pedophile for the longest. You nigga been pedophile as long as your religion been in existence, nigga. You nigga been fucking babies and boys and goats and 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 queers as long as Islam been in religion, bitch. I, I used to be one of you niggas, and I and I refused to stop eating pork. So I said, "Fuck you, niggas." Cause I, listen, I sold barbecue four years ago, and the Muslim niggas used to come through, playing like they can taste pork. So one day, I cut the motherfucking chopped beef with pulled pork and served it to Muslim niggas, unbeknownst to them. They didn't know they was eating pork. They were chewing that motherfucking pork. Them motherfucking Muslims can't tell when they taste the motherfucking pork. So I sold them nigga pork for all summer long. Yeah, nigga, now sue me. Yeah, I sold pork 
till I cut the chopped beef with pulled pork all summer long and not one goddamn Muslim could tell the difference. Because all them bitches is sneaking and eating pork. Or if they ain't eating pork, they suck pussy so they taste buds is thrown off to the pork. Yeah, them there. I, I, I felt good sneaking and selling them niggas $10 chopped beef sandwiches with that pool pork cut up in it, nigga. Straight disrespecting you, nigga. Yeah, get mad about that, nigga. I did that five years ago. Bitch ass, nigga. Yeah, go try to skirt me on the internet. All you niggas trying to skirt me on the internet. Catch a plane, nigga, and show up in person and make everybody in the city say, say, them niggas out of New York City looking for you, nigga. Say, it's the niggas out of California asking about you. Do that, nigga, bad motherfucker. Make Farrakhan have a million man march down here. He ain't done nothing in a while, no way, for he getting too old anyway. Yeah, he getting too old. And Facebook don't want to hit a motherfucker. Y'all don't know what to do. You can't listen to him. Yeah, we sick of that old nigga anyway. We want to hear from NBA young boy. Don't nobody want to hear shit from Farrakhan. We want to hear from Fujiano. We don't want to hear shit from no goddamn Muslim, nigga. You nigga can't rap. <laughs> yeah, you nigga stick to providing security at the funerals and, and shaking down rappers. But don't nobody want to hear shit no nigga talking about thumping no Quran. Nigga, we want to hear from Lil Baby. We don't want to hear from you bitch ass Muslim nigga. So shut up, Farrakhan. Don't go inside and talk. Don't come out here and talk. It's a new day, Farrakhan. And don't nobody want to hear no shit about no spaceship go come rescue all us niggas. If a spaceship come right now, I ain't getting on no motherfucking spaceship with no Muslim niggas. I don't trust no Muslim. Mother didn't trust you niggas. I don't trust no nigga that don't eat bacon. And all our life, we was trained and brought up to eat bacon. Any nigga don't eat bacon and suck pussy is an oxymoron to me. Period point blank. I nigga gonna give up bacon instead of putting his motherfucking head between a whole leg and suck up pussy. Nigga, fuck you, nigga. And all you niggas do it. All you Muslim niggas do it. Go quit the pole and suck the pussy. You're stupid. You're dumb. You're ignorant. Fuck you. And fuck your religion, nigga. Yeah, nigga, it's funny to me. It's funny to me. <laughs> yeah, and I don't believe none of you niggas is bad enough to come do nothing to me and let the world see that y'all pussies to the white boy. Y'all didn't do nothing for Tamir Rice. Y'all didn't do nothing for Breonna Taylor. You bitch-ass niggas, Muslim niggas, didn't do nothing for Breonna Taylor. Y'all didn't do nothing for Eric Garner. Y'all let the white boy choke the big old nigga out. The big old nigga got his hands up. He's supposed to have been throwing elbows. Get off me, nigga. Bigger than he was, he let the little bitty white boy jump on his back. Them ain't the kind of nigga we are down here. Them ain't the kind of nigga we are. We ain't just laying now. George Floyd is in Indianapolis. He just laid there and let the nigga put his knee on his neck. Nigga, fishes flop out of water. You ever seen a fish when you get him in the boat? He flopping like a motherfucker. He want to get back in the water. Fuck, that nigga didn't want to live. Don't fiend that nigga. Oh, <laughs> 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 
they showed the whole video. I saw the nigga swallow dope. The white folk one line on that nigga, the nigga had fentanyl in his system. That's a dope fiend, ain't it? The nigga died with fentanyl in the system. And the best thing could have happened to him is for him to die. The nigga left his daughter 20 million. That nigga could have lived to be 100 years old. He wouldn't have been able to leave his daughter 20 million. He couldn't have never been able to leave his pretty little daughter 20 million. They done that baby a favor. He wasn't shit. The nigga was in and out of jail. The nigga kicked in a door. Boom. That nigga kicked in a motherfucking door. And put a gun to a black woman's belly while she was pregnant. Robbing them. How you know that ain't his fate? He wasn't trying to redeem that. He went to making porn with white bitches. The nigga was a porn star with white bitches. So let me tell you something, Stack Five. Basketball playing ass nigga. Big old tall nigga. Fuck your brother, nigga. And fuck you too, nigga. Say, listen, if he was your brother or he was your nigga, what in the fuck that nigga was doing downtown in Indianapolis with a fake $20 bill? You must have loved that nigga that much. Nigga, I got some people I can go get $20 for, nigga, and I ain't got to go try to pass no $20 bill with no dope fiend nigga and no dope fiend bitch. That very, very hierarchical way. Or you can choose not to. Um, the other thing that it would tell you is it would, it would say something about whether about the size of teams as well. I mean, it would seem to argue, I would think, um, although maybe not, it says it's really about the structure of, of teams, that to the extent that you can keep things that, um, that are as flat as possible, I think you minimize the damage caused by um, hierarchies. Hi, thanks for coming to speak. So I just started in people operations about a month ago. And since I've been here, I've had a lot of people recommend uh, Strength Finder and other books like that. And I've taken a look at it, and I can't help but think that things like that are kind of, uh, as the great skeptic James Randi said, flim-flam, mm -hmm. um, or like modern-day uh, pseudo-social science. And I'm wondering what if you have any insight into those, because I know companies spend a lot of money buying those kinds of books for their yeah. employees. I have, uh, I have to confess I've never read any of those. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, um, I know that they're very successful. Um, in, sell, in sales or in what they set out to in do? In sales. Yeah, okay. um, <laughs> um, but I, I guess I would only say it, it should, it's interesting, though, that there is such a hunger for that kind of thing. You know, people, I always say this, people are experience rich and theory poor, mm -hmm. that most people necessarily um, lack access to organizing principles in their life. Um, if you're not immersed in the world of academia and you don't have the leisure to produce, to follow and acquire grand theories, you don't have theories to explain things. So whenever there is someone comes along with an explanatory mechanism for something that is that your experience rich in, it's enormously attractive. Um, so that, 
you know, if that's a lousy, if strength finder is lousy, it's incumbent on us just to come up with better and more sophisticated ways of, um, but it's, it's clear that there is a massive demand for something um, to allow people to organize their experience. Hey, Malcolm, my name is Mike. Thanks for being here. Um, my question is kind of going back to the value of elite institutions again. Um, so, so you talk about how someone who goes to Harvard, someone who goes to University of Tennessee, they are intrinsically going to do the same if they're, um, you know, on the same intelligence level. So I guess my question is, you know, you hear you're kind of the average of the five people you hang around. You surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. You will naturally elevate your level. Do you believe in that or do you believe that's kind of, you know, it seems like your theory is, is kind of uh, puts the merits towards that, you know, yeah. thought process? Well, there's a, so a couple of things. One is that... Um, one of the implications of that argument is that there are a lot more very able people at um, non-elite institutions than we think. And actually, this is kind of a fascinating thing. So to take a step backwards, uh, the larger question is, how efficient are elite educational institutions um, in, as search engines for talent? What percentage of the of qualified students do they actually uncover and and the answer is we used to think they were very efficient. What we have discovered recently is they're actually quite inefficient. In other words, enormous numbers of very, very intellectually capable people never even come close to the two hundred and fifty top colleges in the country. So non-selective colleges have a much larger share of, uh, of the intellectual aristocracy than we would imagine. So that's so, so to your question, if you go to the University of Tennessee, you can find lots and lots and lots of very, very intellectually cap capable people to hang around with. And you probably will grab, if you are that kid who could have gone to Harvard, you will probably gravitate to those five. The difference being that so you'll be surrounded by peers who maybe every bit is able. The difference is that you will almost certainly be at the top of your class as opposed to running the risk of being in the middle of the bottom. So you're getting two um, benefits, intellectual benefits, as opposed to maybe only one. Um, the other thing, of course, is that, uh, well, I'll leave it at that. There are many, many parallel arguments along these lines. Now, of course, not everyone can follow the strategy. If everyone does it, it ceases to work, right? <laughs> everyone can't go down a notch or... <laughs> so the whole thing is, I, if you're going to follow the strategy, do it quick before I sell too many books <laughs> and the advantage is wiped out. But... Uh... <laughs> okay, thank you. So you said in response to a previous question that it would be useful to eliminate some hierarchy so that you get rid of this problem of people being at the bottom. But how do we know that's the bigger issue as opposed to it's just a great boost to people when they are at the top? And if that was the predominating factor, then maybe we should just have more awards or more way to recognize people. Oh, I see. Oh, you mean have a kind of pretend hierarchy where you <laughs> give everyone a pat on the back? 
Maybe we should have even more levels of hierarchy. Oh, I see. Well, but the, you know, the, um, so the classic study, I have to see if I got this right. The classic study in this regard, which I talk about in the book, is this famous study that was done in this, the largest psychological study ever in the United States was done during the Second World War of American soldiers. And one of the most interesting insights was a comparison of, um, uh, of commissioned officers in the Air Force, the Air Corps, the precursor to the Air Force, and commissioned officers in the military police. And the question was, who was more satisfied with, uh, um, with their promotion prospects, the openness of their uh, institution to rewarding talent? He ain't got no flaws. We don't know what he do wrong. And at least y'all know I smoke weed, I cuss, I call a woman a bitch. <laughs> uh, so my flaws is shown, right? Uh, Obama, man, this man didn't have no flaws. Nah, homie, them ain't our men. We need to see men with flaws. I don't follow no man, homie. I ain't have no daddy, so what the fuck I'm going to follow Farrakhan for? He followed Elijah Muhammad. Elijah Muhammad followed Farad Muhammad. All these niggas following, man, fuck them niggas, homie. I need to see something else other than a nigga talking, telling me about a book he done read. Nigga, why we can't see his spirit like we seen grandmama them spirit in that kitchen making that food, nigga? We saw them women's spirit, nigga, when we were sick and they took us to the doctor. So how I'm going to reject, nigga, what she gave me, the love I got from this woman who told me about the God she served. Ain't now nigga gave, Farrakhan ain't gave us that love. He ain't gave, he ain't fed the village like Maria and Mama and them feed these fed people. All the niggas that got to know Farrakhan got to go to jail to know him. Oh, we don't know him from the world. You was blessed to know him through your grandmother. But because of who your grandmother was, you got the favor from him. Nigga, if your grandmother's, you see what I'm saying? Your grandmother. Yeah. So, oh, uh, it's not to. And on that. Yeah, once they see that, it's real, it's legit, and I ain't just talking out my net. Man, they shipping them things off. Now, I have to sign a service agreement and all that good stuff, and I was cool and all. But I didn't exchange any money. Until I got my money from the federal government. Wow. And as soon as they the government got it, they paid you. That's why I had to that's why I had to be at a net zero. Because I had to pay the uh authorized retailer. Gotcha. Now if they if I put some money up front, then I could have did a net fifteen or something like that and waited for it. Right. But but since since it was no money exchange, it's basically a handshake and they, they got the valid contract, yeah, I need my money ASAP. Cause I don't want them calling me, you know what I mean? So I was at a net zero. $75,000 to order some iPads, bro. There's more of them out there like that. That's nuts. There's more of them out there like that. Yo, I've made $30,000 a year at the Cheesecake Factory. I had to work 40 hours a week. Jeez. 40 to 50. You was balling. I was at the gas station <laughs> working, <laughs> making less than... <laughs> 
I was at 15,000 a year. Half a decade. Come on, man. <laughs> man, don't switch the sweet guy want this. Newport man want that. You know what I mean? Blow pop kid want this. Like, Yo, that's man. crazy. Yeah. Yo, man. congrats on your success, I man. I appreciate it, man. That is crazy, bro. I think, it's, uh, I think it's important, too, a guy coming from where I come from, with the information that I have, I got to I got to share. Because if you listen to how most people talk about government contracting and federal government contracting, they speak of it as if it's a daunting task. Yeah. If it's, like, it's so hard. I definitely think yeah. it sounds scary to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how most people think about it. God, it's not that It's not that difficult. Understand the process. Understand that Everything can be middle, man. Mm-hmm. The government allows us to subcontract every single contract that they have. You just got to put the pieces to the puzzle together. What's your vice, man? What now, is your vice? Now is is hooping mm-hmm. and traveling, man. Really? Yeah, hooping and traveling. Like I try to go to places domestically just to see what they hoop game like. The hoop situation. Man, I'm like that. You ain't no hooper, man. Bro. I'm tough. I hit I told you I hit you. I'm like, man, hooping them Jordans. <laughs> when you leaving? I can stick around, man. Hold on, bro. <laughs> nah, might have to get funky out here, man. Let me I can, I can stick around. Okay. We might be on the uh Okay. <laughs> Set it up. Set it up. Well, you might have just set that up. Set it up. Is he nice, Jose? You haven't seen it? Yeah. yeah but he showed up to the gym in like these jeans and uh and harachis. It was oh, crazy. No. There's like there's like sweatpant jeans or something like that. I'm like, yo, Jose, <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> so uh nah, all right. So um travel do you travel with your wife a lot? Uh, dang, that's not, crazy. Well, not. Dang, that's, <laughs> said, oh, I yeah. mean, I mean, you that might be that, that's why I surprised you. That's my thing. I yeah, gotta yeah, get away. Got, but you got peep game too. People are calling me to, to come out there to teach them my process. Oh. So I'm going out there to work, right? So I'm going out there to work. You two, pull up on days. your students? Yeah, pull up on them. Yeah. I mean, not just everybody gets the not course. everybody. Yeah, yeah. Not every, I don't pull up on everybody, but. If it's a group six or more, I'm pulling up. Oh, so if it's like a group of six people that got the course or whatever. Yep. And they say, and hey, they we city. need higher education. Or they say, we purchased the course, but we want you to actually come out here and teach us real time too. I'm there. We should do something in Atlanta. Let's do it. We should do something in Atlanta. Let's do it, man. Yo, the, do it. so there will be a link in the um, in, a, in our description and you can use promo code social proof. Again, I don't know how much it's going to be. I'm going to negotiate. You're going to negotiate. So I got it. We're going to negotiate the I'm biggest discount. I'm a good one. I'm a good one. I'm a good one. I'm a good negotiator. We're going to negotiate the biggest discount possible. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, let's, let's, let's try to set up these little meetups, man, especially if that's dope because like groups can get together and Kind of iron sharpens iron. That's what you I'm feel saying. me? That's what I'm saying. I, and that's why I told you, like, I can speak about it all day long. 
But when you bring somebody else in that's actually listened to the information, understood the process, and received the result, right? It ain't nothing better than that. It's nothing, it's nothing better. Like, I get overwhelmed when my students say, I won my first federal contract. I'm like, yo, that's crazy. Knowing that it took me three years with no help. Yeah. And now I'm able to help people condense their time frames. Yeah. I just get excited, man. Yeah, that's, that's lit. Yeah. And I think it's lit because you got rich from government contracted. And then now it's not like, yo, the... The money people pay for the program is is not your funding your lifestyle. Right. It's like you yeah. you're really like just giving a blueprint for us, right? Us, right. our people. Peep game, clubhouse people will reach out to me off of a clubhouse meeting room, mm-hmm. and they ask for phone calls. Oh, can I talk to you for fifteen minutes, twenty minutes? They instantly say, "How much do you charge for a phone?" I'm like, "What?" People charge you to talk to them real quick. Like, I'm pulling up on the phone like, uh, Just wait till after this interview, brother. Uh, all right, talk to him. Talk to him about your it. Your tone is going to change. Because it's going to be overwhelming. When and it gets to that point, like, when it seriously gets overwhelming, then, yeah, I got to But maybe I like, group. So, okay, but, so. But that's what I'm saying. But this is how I just feel like sometimes somebody might just need a couple of minutes with somebody to get them to their next level. You feel me? Because I feel like I needed that. I just needed somebody to just say, hey, man, give me 10 minutes of your time. I can get you to your next level. XA. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, go get it, right? Or, man, I got, we got this project. You know, this looks great. What do you think about it? Or, hey, Spec. Um, this was wrong and this was wrong. I don't know what to do next. What do you think we should do next? So all of that goes out the window. It's, no, this is what I tried. I tried this, this, and this, and this works now. Just letting you know. Or I tried this, this, and this, and it, I'm stuck now. But I'm you're stuck. more satisfied because... We went through some innovations of trying to figure this thing out. Right. I'm stuck, and this is the solution I'm thinking of. If you come to me with a problem, you should be coming to me with a solution. Don't come to me with any problem without a solution. Oh, golly, this is heavy. And I just realized that I haven't been focused on speed, me personally. So I have this course— and I shot the course. It's pretty much done. It's just, you know, it's done now, and uh, we're we're getting ready to release it. But it was supposed to be ready for Black Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's supposed to be ready in like April. Yeah, I shot the joint. It was I shot it. Supposed to be ready like April May. Then it was supposed to be ready for Black Friday. Then it was supposed to be ready for Christmas. Then it was supposed to be ready for the first of the year. But I haven't been focused on speed. You would have been fired a long time ago. I would have had to fire myself. <laughs> because it's like the funnel people and the emails and all that kind of stuff. No, I, I'm being literal. You got to fire yourself. You're holding yourself back. That's the issue. You got to put somebody in place, leave them accountable, give them a deadline, and tell them they need to make it happen. Mm. It would have got done a long time ago. 
I need to focus on speed, bro. Mm-hmm. Dang, this is good. Building your team out. Because if you build your team out and you leave them accountable for it, then they have to make the deadline. It won't keep dragging. It's only dragging because you're the owner. You're the CEO. So you can drag your own stuff and not be accountable for it. Or you can just get accountability partners. That's another game changer. And put money on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ain't going to lie to yourself. You get your accountability partner every single week, Tuesday at 12 p.m. Pacific time zone. Get on the call. You're going to talk about relationships, your, your relationship. You're going to talk about health. You're going to talk about learning in your business. Those are the four things you're going to talk about. And out of those four things, you need to put a dollar amount on what's what, whatever is the most important. And if that course is that, then you need to put $100, $200, whatever's going to make you move. You need to be accountable. How you be accountable, you got to lose something. That's how you move. Yeah, big facts. Oh, my God. All right, so so tell me about the academy yeah. and why you built it. Right, so the reason why I built the academy is because every successful business is solving a problem. And I feel, after having numerous conversations with people who went to college, College is literally scamming people. It's set up like a scam. We're going to give you information that you don't believe in. (laughs) Because if you believed in it, you have a money-back guarantee. What do you buy without a guarantee? Name one thing other than school that you will buy with no guarantee. Hmm. I have a product. The product is the school information. If you believe in it, say, yo, this don't work for you, you get your money back. Mm -hmm. That leave them accountable Mm -hmm. to making sure that's A1, right? Making sure they put accountability behind the information they teach it. It makes it better that way. You have more success stories. And I think if a professor know the book from the front cover to the back cover, then why he ain't in the Rolls Royce? Why he ain't in the brand new Tesla? Why he ain't like, why he's struggling? If he, if he know everything. So that shows that that information in that book ain't everything. And if millions of people graduate every single year, why it's not? millions of more men, uh, more millionaires based on the graduates. I ask in my training, I do a training. Whenever I do my training, I say in my training, do you think college was worth your investment? I would say 100% of the time, I get like 99% hell no's. <laughs> so what I decided to do was, I decided to do something about it. I'm not a talker. I don't really talk much. And even like people was like, oh, spec, you work in silence or you like 
you move in silence. When I don't try to work in silence, mm-hmm. move in silence. It's just like, I just, I'm just straight to it. Like, let's mm-hmm. go. So that was a problem. So I wanted to do something about it instead of just talking about it. So I went and created my own, my own business school. So, all right, I created my business school. I preach never reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Success leave breadcrumbs. Yeah. That's what it is. So I went to Harvard. So I was like, oh, everybody all, you know, geeked up about this. You went to Harvard? I went to Harvard. You know that? That thing was everywhere. I don't know. Whatever. But yeah, I went to Harvard. But I went to Harvard. He was smart, yo. I knew it. Man, this is crazy. <laughs> I went, so I went to Harvard. That's who they put on. Oh, yeah. I like that one. Yeah, put make him famous, you know. But now the gates are unlocked. Now everybody on SoundCloud is like they can't control it no more. You can't control it no more. If you have the talent and you're able to stay persistent and consistent with music, you're going to pop sooner or later. Something going to catch on fire. Mm. All you need is to hit one ball. One. You don't have to be right no times but once. Once you write that one time, and I don't give a damn, you don't know how to swing at fastballs, don't hit fastballs. If all you know is curveballs, when that curveball comes, you swing the bat as hard as you can. Sooner or later, if you keep swinging, you're going to knock some out the park. It's going to be life-changing. And they're scared of that. They're scared of that because if that happens, then guess what? It's more wealth in the black communities. And guess what? The money circulates when it gets in the communities. When you go in, it goes to the corner stores. It goes to like, it's still in the community, right? Mm -hmm. The money changes hands. And now guess what? I got enough money to support your dream now. I got enough money to support his dream now. And everybody is building. But it's things in place to make sure it's like credit card companies. They discriminate, but people don't know they discriminate because they like, oh, they can't discriminate. No, they do. They don't market based on certain area codes. If you put a certain area code in, you automatically get denied. Why? Because they already know that area code has this certain amount of revenue coming in every single year. This your annual revenue. You don't fit the criteria. Mm. Even if you do. You don't fit the criteria. You in the wrong neighborhood. You don't get this card. And they're doing the same thing with investments. Like, why? Why I got to be a credit investor? I love it. People yeah. come up with what they want to come up with, but that's my, you know, that's my logic. I can't wait to see it, my brother. Look, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I really, really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, Please let the the people know how they can contact you, how they can get in touch with you. Um, Definitely. I am spectacular on all social media platforms. Clubhouse is just spectacular. Hit me up on Clubhouse, dropping game constantly. Power Circle, shout out to the Power Circle. Nonprofit. Hey, that's another thing that's going to be huge. It's going to be the biggest communities for people to come together, entrepreneurs to come together to share resources 
the technology that's going to be built out for that is going to be crazy for people to come in and literally have one-on-one conversations to be able to share resources and uh, and be able to have masterminds and accountability. It's going to be phenomenal. But yeah, make sure you guys check me out. Power Circles, if you do want to apply for Power Circles, all you got to do is make over 100000 If you want to be a part of that community, go to powercircles.org and uh, check it out. But other than that, you guys can text my number. I gave it to you guys earlier, but 786-661-1224. Hit me up. Ask me some questions. And actually, if you listen to this interview, every time you hear it, listen. Drop me a comment, man, on my last post on Instagram. Let me know how you felt about this interview. Because I want to know your thoughts. I can't really start the comments like that, but I look at my Instagram almost every day. All right? Hit me up. Appreciate that, Spike. All right, man, close out with something. A word of wisdom, man. There's an entrepreneur out there that they, they, they're, they're having a hard time. They're struggling. They got this vision and it's just not coming to fruition or, you know, they got some issues or, uh, you know, dramas or, you know, just uh, things going on in their life. So mm-hmm. what is on your heart right now to share with that person? Well, the first thing I would say is your thoughts become your reality. So if you put yourself in a state of mind that everything is possible, it's just the amount of time on when it's going to happen. And continuously work on your craft. Too many people are master of nothing. They master the craft of nothing. (laughs) So you have to become a master of something and go at it full speed, full throttle, want it, mental as bad as you want to breathe. Mm -hmm. You got to want it as bad as you want to breathe. And come into this thing and understand that you're not a victim. Too many victims out here. Nobody's a victim. You're the only person you can blame for your situation. Nobody else. It don't matter what your past was. It don't matter how your dad treated you. It don't matter how how you was raised. Bill Gates said, If you're born poor, it's not your fault. But if you die poor, that's your fault. Because you have every opportunity to get whatever you want and find the guidance, find the mentorship. Because it's not a lack of information. It's a lack of guidance and accountability. So find somebody that's going to leave you accountable to your goals, your mission, your dreams. Everything that you literally put your mind to is is something that can be achievable. Anybody who you know that's wealthy, that's famous, they all started from zero. Zero followers on Instagram, zero followers, zero followers on Facebook, zero dollars in their bank account. Everybody had to get that first deposit and build relationships and make sure that you're putting more deposits in than withdrawals. My rule of thumb is Give 10 times and ask once. Because your habits create your character, and your character determines your destiny. 
as we learned from our mutual mentor, you know what I'm saying? Like, success will take you there, but your character, your gifts and talents will take you there, but your character will keep you there. But it all starts right here inside the mind, so we got to have a strong belief system. Because I remember when you were in school, you would see the little posters that say, if you believe it, you can achieve it. Mm. Bro, that's facts. That was a bar. We thought it was corny. We thought it was cliche, but that's real. That's real. So when I began to believe I could do these type of numbers, when I began to believe I could travel the world, bro, my wife looking for homes down in South Africa. I was like, boo, come on, boo. She's like, oh, you don't believe? I was like, I had to check myself like, bro, don't be a hypocrite. Like, do you believe? People got to believe. And so to everybody that's watched us, everybody that's listening right now, like, I need you to believe in that power, that purpose, that potential, that society. You God has an amazing plan for your life if you believe. What do I look like trying to, trying to determine where my life's going to go. I ain't that smart. I ain't that talented. People talk about a five to 10-year plan. That makes sense, and it sounds good, but for me, I'm not even smart enough to figure out what I'm going to do with my life, right? That's why I wake up at 5 a.m. and I seek the face of God, like, what you want me to do? What you think is the best play? And then I run that play. Like, that's how people can go to the next level. So it starts with a belief system, and then you got to put that work in every single day because my brother Brian not here no more. And if he was here, he'd be putting that work in. So I felt what I look like feeling tired, what I look like feeling lazy, what I look like talking about what's not comfortable to me. Comfort don't pay bills. You know what I'm saying? So we got to be willing to put that work in every single day. So let's go get in. Let's be great. Listen, can't close it out no better than that, man. Do me a favor. Make sure you follow Jeremy Anderson. Okay, shoot him. One. And we are live. We're live. We're live. I don't feel alive. I feel like half dead right now. I swear to God, I'm so depressed. It's raining out to match the boot. The weather is matching my feeling right now. Depressed, tired. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing with your phone now? Your phone's cutting you. Put a case on it. You know, today Mom, I was podcast. ready to walk into AT&T store and my phone's been acting up because when you press it, it does whatever it wants to do what it's supposed to do. So, because it's all cracked in the front and it felt, you know, starting to, you know, cut me and all that stuff. And I thought it was the actual screen in the phone. So I was prepared to walk in AT&T and, you know, I used the hell out of my phone. I make money with this goddamn thing, baby. Okay, this is the only thing, this is the thing, the most important tool. Everybody lives off their phone now. I can run the whole goddamn empire with this phone. Uh, anyway, so I walk into AT&T. I'm ready to spend, a, I'm, re- I'm thinking it's going to take me for a thousand bucks or whatever for a new phone. And I walk in and the lady says, I tell the lady promises, listen, you know, the phone's not acting right and you press it. It's all cracked here. And uh, she says, oh, yeah, okay, let me see. And I says, um, you know, what do I got to do? I got to buy a new phone, right? She, so she, she takes my phone, she puts her nail in there, and put, peels off this goddamn coating that I didn't even know was there, and the coating was cracked. And now it looks like a new phone again. Uh, <laughs> in five seconds, she, sent me, she saved me a thousand bucks. And it's just, well, you know, fit 40 bucks for a new case or your insurance will do up at 10 or you go to whatever. Anyway, thank you, lady in the AT&T Clearwater. I forgot I didn't get her name. 
for saving me $1,000 on a new phone today. All right, so that's the story. I saved a thousand bucks today. Look at that. Boy, maybe it wasn't such a bad day, but I had a lot of bad shit happen. I'm telling you, you know, I don't know. Right now, everybody better stock up on every dollar they can. Whenever there's a problem in life and business ain't right, get your hands on as much cash as you can and just maybe sit and wait and see what happens because unless you're that smart where you know how to do something, right now things are rough. I mean, it's, it's really bad. I'm not even going to... I mean, you got your good times, you got your bad times. These are absolutely the worst times, okay? So, I don't know. I'm just so sick 